God, we love you, and we are, we are so thankful to be here today. We're thankful not only just to be in your presence, but thankful to, to call ourselves yours, God, to call ourselves followers of you, to call ourselves disciples this morning. God, I pray that over this series, as we talk about multiply, being disciples who make disciples over the next few months, God, I pray that you would just speak to us, that this would be a, not only just a serious, it's not just for me, God, but this would be, be a, 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 a point in our life where we, we, we decide that we're going to move forward in this, that we're going to be disciples who make disciples and make a difference, and that the kingdom is, 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 is grown because of what we're going to do here over the next few months. God, I pray this morning that the words that are coming out of my mouth would not be my words. God, my words honestly mean nothing. We want to hear from you this morning. God, open our hearts and open our minds and free us from our distractions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited about our Multiply series. I'm excited about this all-church study. Uh, last, last year, we did an all-church study called Follow Me. And, and really, what the, the whole of last year was really talking about, not even just the all-church study, but even everything that we talked about after that, was, was we were talking about what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? Right? What does it look like to truly follow Jesus? Right? What does it look like to, to obey the words of Jesus? What does it look like to, to be the kind of follower that Jesus is, is asking us to be in Scripture? And, and this all-church study, and really the, the whole of the year, as far as we're planning, is to kind of take it the next step. Right, now that we've talked for a year and hopefully we've, we've kind of made changes in our lives to where we can, we can really honestly say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And we'll talk about it a little bit more this morning. We'll kind of rehash some of that stuff. But I wanna, this, this whole series is really to take the next step and say, I, I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples. You know, very early on in the book, if you, if you have the book, you'll, you'll read it in the forward, I think. It's on page 7, if you want to take a look, if you're not right now, obviously, but later this week. Here's what, here's what Francis Chan says. He says, from the start, God's design has been for every single disciple of Jesus to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples until the gospel spreads to all peoples. He says, yet we have subtly and tragically taken this costly command of Christ to go, baptize, and teach all nations, and mutated it into a comfortable call for Christians to come, be baptized, and listen in one location. I want to make sure that's not us, that second part. I want to make sure that over this series, we're, we're talking and we are telling, what, what does it look like to be, to be a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples, right, and, until the gospel spreads to all peoples? That's really what this is all about. And so for the next few months, we're going to explore uh, this, this idea of multiplying, of being a disciple who makes a disciple. This morning, just as kind of a, a baseline, we're going to talk about what is a disciple, Right, really, for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about what is a disciple. This is section one of the book, right? What is a disciple? What's a disciple? 
You know, the New Testament uses the word disciple 269 times. 269 times. And really, in the, in the, in the, in the New Testament, it's talking about people in kind of three different categories, right? There's, there's the first category. The first category is a, is a casual listener, right? Jesus would be talking. He'd be talking to groups of people, and they'd be, they, the, the Scripture would call them a disciple, right? They'd just be a casual listener. They're there. They're listening, still trying to figure out, you know, what, who is this Jesus guy? What is this guy talking about? Do I believe that he is who he says he is? Do I believe that this is... So I believe that this is anything, right? But I, there's a lot of people here I want to follow, I want to listen. So there's this, there's this kind of casual followership there. Right? This, the second kind of people that, that he talks about when he's, when he's kind of talking about disciples in the New Testament, as these authors talk about disciples, is, is kind of committed, committed listeners. Right? This, is, this kind of moves a step beyond the, the casual listeners, if you will, and moves to, to a place where these people who are there, they're listening. They, ought, they really do believe that Jesus is who he says he is, right? They believe in what he's saying. They know what they're listening to. They know who they're listening to. There's a, there's a buy-in, if you will. Right? There's, a, there's a buy-in on, on, on what's going on here. They're, they're a committed listener. They're not just a casual listener still trying to figure things out. They're committed. They're there. They understand who Jesus is. They believe Jesus is who he says he is. They've seen the things. They, they honestly believe that he can do the things he says he does because he's doing them right in front of them. Right? Like This is, this is a, a committed listener. And then there's, this, there's a third group of, of these disciples. And there's really... They're, they're, they're called followers, right? Not only are they just a, a casual listener, or, or the second group really is more of a convinced listener, right? They're, they're convinced, they understand. But instead, they're a, they're a committed follower. And, and the interesting thing is in the New Testament, when you start to, to read about these disciples, and if you start to read disciples and understand those three categories, you begin to see something, that those, those first two categories are, are fairly well populated, but when you get to the category that's talking about the, the committed followers, the people who are, who are not just listening and, and saying, yes, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I see that you can do the things you say you do, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live the way that you're asking me to live. I'm going to do the things that you're asking me to do. I'm going to, to obey what you're teaching here. I'm not just going to listen to your teaching understanding and knowing who you are, I'm going to, to change my life because of what the words that are coming out of your mouth. That group, if you read the New Testament, gets, gets pretty small. And in fact, if you turn to the, to the book of Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, Paul is, is, is talking, or Peter, I'm sorry, Peter's talking. Acts chapter 1, and there's, there's one verse in here I just want to look at real quick. One fifteen says this. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, and in parentheses here, a group numbering about 120. A group numbering about 120. All right, Peter stood up, and he, he uh, Peter, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. 
Now think about this. Jesus had, had talked to, to thousands of people, right? Jesus had, had taught thousands of people. We know that it was thousands because just in one day he fed 5,000 men, right? Not including the women and the children. We know there are thousands of people, maybe tens of thousands of people, that, that heard Jesus' message, that, that heard it. And, and, and honestly, probably a lot of them knew who he was and believed who he was and believed he was who he said he was. But after the fact, after Jesus dies, after Jesus is, 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 again, going back into heaven, Peter stands up with the believers. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm really thankful that it says this in here in the parentheses, a group numbering about 120. Right? There, were, there were about 120 people who were actually doing what Jesus told them to do, who were living the way that they were being asked to live. By Jesus before he was died, before he died, before he was killed, and before he he went back to heaven. I want us to think this morning about these categories, and really think, even in in, in our context, not just this church, but in the in the church, the big C church, the grand church. How do you think these categories break down? With the millions of people sitting in church just like you and just like me this morning. I bet, the, I bet it's probably about the same. Those first two categories are probably pretty populated. There's some people sitting in pews and chairs just like you this morning who don't really know what to believe about this Jesus guy. They're not sure if it's real. They're not sure, but they, they want to hear what, what, what's going on. They want to hear. They want to, they want to kind of get a feel for what's going on in the church. What are they teaching? What are they trying to, what are they trying to say to me? I think there's a pretty good group there. I think there's probably the biggest group in, in the second section. People who come to church and they, they sit in the pews, they sit in the chairs, and they know who Jesus is. They've met Jesus before. They believe he is who he says he is. They know he can do the things he says he does. But they leave the building and their lives are no different. Right? They're just they're convinced listeners. Right? They come and they, they worship. They come and they, they, they hear the word. They come and they do all this stuff, but it doesn't change anything. And then there's that third group. The committed follower who comes and on Sunday mornings, they're they are worshiping, they are digging into the word, and when they leave, they are honestly going out and living the way that Christ would have them to live. They are really obeying the words of Jesus Christ that they see in scripture, that they hear out of the message, that they're, even though they're singing in worship, right? They, they're, they're going out and they're living it. They're, they're more than just a, a, a casual listener. They're more than just a, a convinced listener. They're, they're a committed follower. That's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. Is a church that is filled with these, these, these committed followers, right? We're not just people who come and who, who listen. We're not just people who come and who, who listen to the word and, and we know Jesus. We met him one time, right? We know him. We know what he says. We believe he is who he says he is. We believe that God is going to come back at some point. We believe all of this stuff. But when we walk out those doors, it doesn't change a thing. 
I don't want to be a part of a church like that. I want to be a church that is full of committed followers. Committed followers. That when the casual listeners come in, they think, man, this is for real. This is for real because look around. And even when the convinced listeners come in, they think, man, there's got to be something more to this than what I'm hearing. I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that he can do the things he says he does. But, man, all these people have something that I don't have. That's the kind of church that I want to be. Somewhere, somewhere in the church, we, we kind of made it okay to be just the convinced listener. And it's not right. It's not biblically right. You can't make a biblical argument for this. You cannot do it. And if you want to, I will, I will gladly sit in a chair after church and listen to you make this argument. I don't think you can do it. If you could and you could do it effectively, let's sit down and let's write a book together because that's going to be a, a bestseller right there. How to follow Jesus without actually following Jesus. That's the, I think, honestly, one of, the, one of the biggest needs in the church today, and again, not just our church, but the church, right? we, don't, we don't necessarily need more, more money. We don't necessarily need more people. Right? We don't need more power. We don't need the government to talk about how they're on our side. Here's what we need in the church. We need people men, women, and children who are willing to do more than just listen. Who are willing to, to change their lives and to go out and, and to live the kind of life that Jesus calls us to in this book called The Holy Word. That's the biggest need in the church. And that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of. A church of disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. Right, but here's the thing we need to learn about and, and know and understand. I think you've already learned it probably. Here's the thing we need to remember this morning. Being a disciple costs you something. There is a cost to being a disciple. Right? There is a, a, an entire shift in your life that happens when you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right, there's a story in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> in the beginning of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is baptized. Right? Jesus is, is um, no, I'm sorry, at the end of chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. In the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus is, is led into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And he goes through all these temptations. He comes out on the other side. And then he begins to start his ministry. And in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18, here's, here's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brothers John, John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. I, I want to just pay attention this morning to the response of these disciples. Right? Jesus seemingly comes out of nowhere. 
And he walks up to these fishermen and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Some translators say fishermen of people, right? I will make you fishers of men. And it says immediately they get out of their boat and they follow him. And he goes to the next stop. Follow me. And immediately they get out of the boat and they follow him. I've, I've always, no, no, well, I was confused about this passage for a long time. And I think I've shared some of this before. You can hear it again this morning. I, I've been, I've, I was confused about this passage for a long time because I just kept thinking, like, how come these guys are so comfortable just leaving their families, leaving their businesses, leaving all this stuff to go and follow Jesus simply at the word? Right? Do they know who he is? is? Is there something that Scripture doesn't tell us here? You know, like Jesus is literally coming right out of the temptation and asking these guys to, to be disciples, and they just immediately left their boats and everything and followed him. What is going on here? Right, but in context, this, this really makes perfect sense. And I know I've told you this before, I want to talk about it again this morning. Right, because the end goal of, 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 of children's lives is to, is to have a rabbi come to them and to say, follow me. I'll explain this a little bit, right? The children in, in those days, they went to school just like our kids do, right? But they didn't study all kinds of things. They just studied the Bible. That's what they studied, right? There were, there were kind of three levels of school, right? The first level, the first level of school was called Bet Sefer. It was from the age of six to about the age of 10, right? And what they would do in this school is they would literally memorize the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy memorized. They would memorize the first five books in those four years. And that's just what they did in school. They memorized the scripture. If at the age of 10, they could do it and they had it done, I'm not sure how they tested them on that. <laughs> not sure if someone sat with them and said, all right, tell me the, tell me the Torah, right? But at the age of 10, if they had it, they were able to move on to the next level of school. If they didn't have it, they were just told, go back home, learn the family trade, and help your family. Right? This, was, this was their school. They learned the Bible or they went home and learned their family trade. Right? If, if they were able to memorize the, the, the Torah, then the next level of school, the level two, is called the Bet Talmud. Bet Talmud. And in this level of schooling... They would, they would already have, obviously, the, the Torah memorized. But in this, in this level that went from the age of 10 to about the age of 14 or 15, they would memorize the rest of the Hebrew Scriptures, which we now know as the Old Testament. Think about that. So if you have a Bible in front of you, just open up to, open up to Matthew 1. And then just grip the other side of your Bible. Memorized. From the age of six to the age of 15. Nine years, only thing they did was right here in the Old Testament. Some of us in here are thinking, what in the world? There is no possible way 
that I could do that. There's no possible way I could memorize the Old Testament. No possible way I could even memorize the Torah, right? I would have been doing family business at 10, right? Think about this, though. Think about all the other things that we let into our minds and that we focus our attention on. They had one. I guarantee if you spent four or five years only focusing on Scripture and nothing else, I guarantee you could do it. I used to tell my teen, ask my teenagers this all the time in youth ministry, how many of you, when the radio comes on and a song comes on that you haven't heard in like two or three years, you can still sing every single word of that song and everybody, oh yeah, that's me, that's me, I know that song, I know that. Right? Or how many can, can quote the favorite, their favorite lines from their favorite movies and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that, I can do that. But how many of you can quote 10 Bible verses I don't know. Well, there's a focus here. There's, 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 some, there's something to focus on, right? You could do it if you wanted to do it. But this is what they did. Up, for, up to the age of 15, they would memorize the rest of the Old Testament. Right? This was their schooling. And so at the, end of, at the end of this schooling, at the end of this level, if you had the Old Testament memorized all the way from, from Genesis to Malachi, memorized, if you had it all, then there was a next level of school. If you didn't have it all, and I can just imagine one of these tests, right? You thought you had it, you were 15 years old, you thought you had the whole thing memorized, and then somehow on that test you failed it. And they, they would literally say to you, go home, learn the family trade. But if you were really at this point, right, the best of the best of the best, right, being able to learn the entire Old Testament and have it memorized, you would go on to this next level. This next level was called the Bet Midrash. And on this level, you would, you would approach a rabbi. <coughs> this rabbi that you've been learning under, that you've been, you, you would approach a rabbi that you agreed with his teachings or you wanted to learn more about his teachings. And you would ask this rabbi if you could be their apprentice. And this rabbi would, would in turn begin to just grill you and, and talk about Scripture. What do you think about this? What does this Scripture say? How does this get interpreted? What, is, what does this mean? And at the end of that, at the end of that process, if you had the answers that he wanted, if he thought you had, if, if the rabbi thought that you could do what he did, he would say to you, or if, here, the other thing, if the rabbi didn't think, that you could, if the rabbi didn't think that you could do what he did, he would look at you and he would say to you, go home, learn the family trade. But if the rabbi thought that you could do what he did, he would look at you and he would say two words to you, follow me. And from this point on, these people would, would fall, literally follow them everywhere, right? They would walk with him. They would, they would listen to him teach. They would sit with him in the temple courts. They would, they would hear everything that he has to say because the whole point of following this rabbi was that, that you would do what the rabbi did, that you would teach what the rabbi taught, that you would do what the rabbi did, that, that every little thing that he did, when he ate, you ate. And guess what you ate? You ate what he ate, Right? Everything that he did, you did. Because you wanted to be exactly like the rabbi. And he would say to you, follow me. The interesting thing is that this, these rabbis would begin this ministry around the age of 30. 
And so here we have Jesus coming on the scene. Most scholars tell us that he was around the age of 30. And he goes down to the lake and he sees these two fishermen, Simon and Andrew, and he says to these fishermen, follow me. Now what he's saying to these fishermen is, you can do what I can do, you can do what I do. I believe in you. I believe that you can do the things that I do. I believe that you can carry on what I am doing here. I believe in you. Now hear me out on this. What are they doing? They're fishing. They're in the family trade. So what does that mean? It means they, they didn't have it. They didn't have all the answers. They didn't have the Torah memorized. They might have the Torah memorized. They didn't have the Old Testament memorized. They didn't make it. They weren't the best of the best. They were kind of the B team, right? The JV team. This is, this is who Jesus called to follow him. And when you think about it like that, of course these guys left immediately and followed him. Right? Here's, a, here's a rabbi who comes to me. I'm in my family business, right? I left schooling. I didn't make it in the schooling. I'm in my family business. And here's a rabbi who comes to me and he says, follow me. Of course I'm leaving everything. Right? In, one of the, in one of the other Gospels, it talks about how they left everything and their father. Right? And they followed him. I can just imagine the father going home and, and just the, I can just like the smile on his face when he walks in the house and his wife says, hey, where's the boys? He says, you'll never guess what happened today. A rabbi came to my sons and asked them to follow him. Of course they leave everything and they follow him. Of course they do. Of course they do because this is what they've looked for their entire life. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, you can do what I'm doing. Follow me. And so they begin. They begin the journey. They follow him. They're everywhere that Jesus is. They're doing everything that Jesus does. They're, they're walking in, in, in the same ways that, that Jesus is walking, right? And, and even in Acts chapter 4, I love this part. In Acts chapter 4, if you read it, as the disciples are talking People are in awe because these are ordinary, unschooled men, is what, is what the book of Acts in chapter 4 says about these disciples, right? These are the disciples that Jesus calls to follow him, right? Pastor Chris, if I'm, if I'm kind of reading between the lines here, Pastor, you're asking me to, to follow Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. You got it right. I'm asking you to follow Jesus this morning. Pastor Chris, these guys left everything to follow Jesus. So you tell me I need to leave everything to follow Jesus? I mean, certainly there's a scriptural basis for that. We look at the disciples, we look at the rich young ruler who had all kinds of things and went to Jesus and said, what must I do? And Jesus says, Follow all these commandments. He says, I've been doing that. I've been doing that since I've been a kid. Go sell everything and give it to the poor. And the guy walks away sad because he had great wealth. Now, am I telling you this morning to, to go home and have a yard sale and sell everything so you can, you can follow Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. But here's what I am saying this morning. I, I think 
To really truly be a disciple of Jesus means to hold so loosely to the things of this earth and to hold so tightly to the person of Jesus Christ and to following Jesus Christ that everything becomes a conduit through which we serve him. My job becomes a conduit through which I can, I can show people Christ. Amen. My money becomes a conduit through which I can bless people Amen. through Christ and show them Christ. My family becomes a conduit through which I can live my life for Christ. Everything that we do is, is holding so loosely to the things of the earth and so tightly onto the person of Jesus Christ, onto who he is, and onto his teachings, and onto obeying him. That's what it costs. I mean, does it literally cost you everything? You're probably still going to have a house over your head, probably still going to have a car, you're still going to have all the things that you have now. Physically. But I think mentally we need to be able to say, none of this is mine. God, whatever you want from me, whatever you want from this is yours. To hold so loosely onto the things of the world and so tightly onto the things of Christ. So tightly onto the things of Christ. So, what does it mean to follow Christ? It means that we, that we give up ourselves to follow him. It means to give up on, on, on our dreams for the dreams of Christ. Maybe they're the same. But if they're not, it's being able to say, I'm holding so loosely onto this, God, because I want what you want from me. It's also about obedience. It's about obeying, obeying. Obedience to the mission of Christ. Right? Obedience to the mission of Christ. Pastor Chris, how can I go from being this, how can I go from being a, a, a casual listener to a convinced listener to going from a, to a full-on committed follower of Jesus? Well, first of all, you need to give up everything that you are in exchange for everything that God is. Second of all, you need to be obedient to the mission of Christ. Obedient to the mission of Christ. Think about this for a second. If you had just a few years, if you knew that you had just a few years and you were going to be here and you wanted to get some things done that was going to be a lasting thing, right? Jesus comes to the earth, he has just a few years, he's going to get all this stuff done that, that lasts for, forever, right? If you had just a few years to get something done that would spread fast and wide and all this kind of stuff, I know for me, what I would do is I would probably hire a PR person, right? Someone who can, who can get me some, some big crowds, get me some, you know, some TV time on CNN or some of these, you know. I, I, want, I want the publicity. I want as many people to hear me as possible. I want, I want 
the message to spread as fast and as wide as humanly possible, if I'm going to, to get something going that, that I want everybody to know. Right? And then you look at the, the example of Jesus, and how did Jesus do this? Jesus literally like, invested in 12 people. Jesus had the crowds of thousands and thousands, and Jesus kind of sometimes would like turn them away, right? Jesus, Jesus, one time, he's talking to all these people, right? And he says, unless you hate your mother and father, you cannot follow me. And I can just see the crowd being like, who is this guy? Like, what is, I'm not going to follow this guy. I hate my mom and dad. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I'm out of here, right? Like, Jesus had these crowds, and he could spread this message of hope and of peace. And instead, when he gets the big crowds, he says some crazy things. But then he invests in these 12 people. And these 12 people are the people that he entrusts. Well, it turns out to be 11, right? But the, the, the people that he entrusts to go out and to spread the gospel. And, and, and we're here today because of what he did with those 12 men. But think about this. For this to work, for the method that Jesus used to work, for these 12 men to spread the gospel, to start the church, to do all of this stuff. Eleven, sorry, I keep saying twelve. One of them was not in the picture at this point, obviously. For these guys to start it, they had to be so obedient to what Jesus was actually telling them to do for this to work. Right? There had to be an obedience to the mission of Christ, right? I, there's, there's, this, there's this sense, I talked about it a couple weeks ago, right? 1 Corinthians 1, 11, right? Follow me as I follow Christ. There has to be this, this obedience to, to Christ in our lives that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we, everywhere that we go, every conversation we have, right, has to be in obedience to Christ. Everything that we do in obedience to Christ. It has to be more than just coming on a Sunday and listening and singing and going out and not changing a thing. There has to be a change in our lives if we're truly to be disciples. Amen. Right, and this is what we talked about all last year, right? All last year, literally all, all of 2016, we talked about being a follower of Christ, being a disciple of Christ, and what does it mean? It's bigger than just knowing things. It's bigger than just, like, consenting to certain beliefs, right? It's different than this. It's, it's more than this. It's got to be bigger than this. It's got to be a life change. It's got to be a lifestyle of how can I live for Christ. And at the beginning of this Multiply series, I just I want to throw this out there. If we are going to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples until all peoples are reached for Christ, we got to live it out. We have to live it out. Or else it doesn't work. It, it won't work. It can't work if we don't live it out. We might have crowds of thousands of people who clap and sing and say amen to the sermon and, and understand who Jesus is. But unless we, sitting here in the pews today, Make a life change and live it out. None of it really matters. Matthew chapter 7. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do all this stuff in your name? He looks at them and says, depart from me, because I never knew you. I was talking with Rachel yesterday about another passage in scripture. She said, this isn't really like encouraging to me. <laughs> this isn't an encouraging scripture. This, isn't, this is basically like saying like, there's going to be a lot of people. It was just talking about the, the different seeds and the soils, right? That she was, she was thinking about this stuff in her head. And I was thinking, you're really right. There are a lot of people who are going to hear this word. But unless it takes root, unless something grows, what's it worth? What are we here for? Unless we're going to go live it out, then we're here for nothing. For me, the challenge is this. Uh, For us, the challenge is this. As we begin this multiply series of being disciples who make 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 disciples. It starts with you and it starts with me. I commit to you today. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to try and reach people for Christ that don't, that don't know Christ. I'm going to try and walk people through their relationship with Christ and disciple them in a follow me as I follow Christ type example. I want to be a disciple who makes disciples, who makes disciples. I hope you do too. This week in your small groups, you're going to talk about what is a disciple? What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to call myself a disciple? Can I call myself a disciple? Now, these are some of the things you're going to be talking about. I pray you'll get involved in a small group. Get involved in a small group. And if not, get the book. Read the book with us. And we continue the conversation next week. One of the, one of the coolest parts about the that's the stories with all the schooling and stuff of their, their schooling structure is they had a saying back then and it was this saying they said may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi this is what they would and I'm going to bless you with this today when we leave but may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi it was this may you follow your teacher so close that you can't help but catch the dust off of his sandals as you walk together. May you follow so close. This week, may you be in his word. May you be in prayer. May you follow so close to Jesus that you're covered in the dust of your rabbi. Let's pray. God, we love you. as we begin this multiply series, we want to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples until all peoples are reached for your glory. Yeah, but it starts here in this room right now. God, we want to commit this morning. 
to follow you. To really, truly follow you. Not just to consent to certain beliefs, but to, for our lives to reflect. That when people look at things that we do and they ask, why are we doing certain things that we're doing, that the only answer is you. God, would you be with us as we go this week? God, be in our conversations, be in our homes, be in our workplaces. God, be in these situations that we might be a light for you and make a difference for you. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Will you stand with me? Let me just pray this prayer of blessing over you. As you go this morning, may the God of peace and of hope and of joy go with you and ahead of you. May you grow in his love. May you grow in his grace. And may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi this week. Amen and amen. Go in peace. Go in peace.